Johnny Mercer de- developed developed breasts at like an unusually young age and had one of those like creepy older boyfriends that everyone thought was cool at the time, but then everyone realized it's like a nineteen year old dude who dates thirteen year olds, and actually that's kind of weird. Um, but then like he'd like come and pick Johnny Mercer up from school on his Piaggio moped, so everyone would be like, "Shit, Johnny Mercer's doing well for himself." Look at that beardy guy in the Rain Mac picking him up on that uh, on that fifty cc moped. He's just he's doing pretty well. Those that that early breast development's really paying dividends for him now. We were all mocking him before, but, you know, at this point... He's going to start his own Tory party. (laughs) And none of you can be in it. He's going to have a sign saying, no girls allowed on the outside. It's kind of like the regular Tory party. Look, I'm going to give you one last chance at honesty. Did you insinuate my wife was a prostitute in the Plymouth Herald's comment section? This is so great. Um, I didn't actually do it on the Plymouth Herald's comment section. It was on a different comment section. So technically speaking, it's so good because it's like, he seems very defensive about the guy insinuating that his wife was a prostitute on the Plymouth Herald comment section because he's used the word insinuate, which implies that it wasn't an out and out accusation, but he's like reading between the lines, like based on the, based on the less than decorous way in which you referred to my wife, I can only assume that you're referring to her admittedly regrettable past. (laughs) <laughs> um, come, to the, I mean, come to the left. Your wife is a sex worker. That's cool, man. You know yeah. we can. We but can also, work how many that. comments does a Plymouth Herald comment section get? Quite frankly, like, was this just the one top voted comment, or like, was there a comment <laughs> flame war going on back and forth? Finally, upvoting it. Exactly. There's like, oh, this is such an own. I mean, they're just really, really getting into it. Thousands of Kremlin bots on the Plymouth Herald <laughs> comment section upvoting insinuations that Johnny Mercer's wife is a prostitute. It's like it's the most entertaining place on the internet. I mean, half the time, you know, you're hearing about Johnny Mercer's wife. The other half the time, you're learning about. Well, I make. 6,500 pounds per week working from home. It's an amazing deal. No one knows about it. Johnny Mercer's wife is local mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the real thing is, right? Like they say that the Plymouth Herald comment section brought us all together. Really, I think actually, what if the Plymouth Herald comment section is actually dividing us more than ever? But here's the thing, right? Okay, so I, I came to this late and I only saw Johnny Mercer's tweet in response to something that had been deleted. Did he ever link to the comment? He didn't get screenshots. No. So, no so, so in a sense, he's, he's just kicked everybody out onto like a wild goose chase to f- go through every comment section of the Plymouth Herald, trying to find where Johnny Mercer's wife is is slagged off in a very you uh, roundabout way that doesn't that only insinuates it doesn't directly declare it. Listeners, so, <laughs> I'll say we have a task for you <laughs> at Alex Keeley. Yeah. Wait. Hang on a minute. Maybe we're owned. <laughs> maybe maybe this didn't really happen and he's just oh, like shit. he's like yeah some credulous idiots will totally talk about this on a podcast he just wants to drive up the page views for the Plymouth yeah, Herald this is, I mean this, really this is, this is a viral marketing scheme for the Plymouth Herald the dude he's replied to has deleted his account he had an account this morning I was thinking we should have you should have DM'd the guy find out what the comment was but yeah, he's deleted his Twitter Oh, oh no. my God! This he's is like it's, it's one thing for y- me and you to have this dispute, Dan, but I will not have Janine dragged through the mud. <laughs> Dude, you can say whatever the fuck you want about me, okay? Yeah. But if you talk, if you insinuate that my wife is a prostitute in the Plymouth Herald comment section, <laughs> oh boy. Hey, once again, we're back with TF for another week for you. It's me, Riley. 
Uh, it's it's me, Milo Edwards. Surprised that we're doing introducing ourselves now again randomly <laughs> because oh, yeah. this podcast is organised. You can find oh, me yeah. on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards. I forgot I started introducing <laughs> replying, all of this. Replying to Dan Mercer about about where we can Dan learn Mercer. about his wife. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Mercer. Johnny Mercer. Who is Dan Mercer? And <laughs> John. <laughs> Dan Mercer, no, it's 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 like when when Johnny Mercer goes like beast mode and decides that like it's time to get revenge, he becomes Dan Mercer, a, a hybrid of Dan Hodges and Johnny Mercer, <laughs> a fate worse than death. And then we have <laughs> Nate Bethay, yes, Sir Extraordinaire. Uh, it's, it's me, Nate. Really dropped my glasses at in these deserts on Twitter. And we have and we have Michael Walker from Novara, host of Tisky Sour on That's same. Up. How are you doing today on this Friday night, the I'm, party night, the party night? I know I'm very well. It's the night. It's we're, we're here. There's a disco ball. Um, I wish there was a disco ball. We should get a disco yeah, ball. I should have broken yeah. the spell. I'm sorry. Fucking hell, kayfabe. I mean, I was expecting like a disco ball, sort of like a cocktail bar. I mean, with our with our reputation as like like 1960s playboys, like you really thought we were gonna have like I'll be here in like sailors. Well, I mean, exactly. That's why I was hoping. Quite frankly, the first thing he saw when he walked in the room was Elon Musk in a tux. So I mean, that does set the bar quite high, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone's doing cocaine with John F. Kennedy because that's what everyone did in the 60s. Oh, for sure. That's absolutely. There us. was scarcely a cocaine party in like 1960 that John F. Kennedy was not at. Apparently. <laughs> What a gr- I love presidents. They're such cool people. I know, huge. Like, at, at at some point, they transitioned from like out and out white nationalist slave owners to um sort of like American psycho juniors. Uh, and mm-hmm. whether that's like the model UN style American psycho like Obama, or the like you know um, clownish American psycho like Trump, it's all they, they, it was seamless. It was World War Two. World War Two was the dividing line. Look, all I'm saying is okay. If I'd have been at that party. JFK would not only have given me a hand job, but he would have sung happy birthday, Mr. President, to me because he knows that I'm a better president than him. <laughs> in fact, in fact, as part of being president, every day is my birthday. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I, as an aside, I have to say this because I know we go down the rabbit hole of American politics sometimes, but more often than not, it just is Milo doing a Trump impression. Uh, yeah. There is an American politician who's insane. His name is Tom Cotton. He's a senator from Arkansas. Oh, birthday cake guy. And he likes to eat a, a slice of birthday cake every day. And apparently he and his wife, Whoa. Uh, his, his wife that he didn't know until he got married because the, the, room, the, 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 the rumor is that it's a marriage of convenience, but I won't go into too much detail lest we get sued for libel. Apparently they both were just avid fans of birthday cake. And that's how they met. Like, cause that's a normal DC marriage. It's like <laughs> you like eating birthday cake every day for some reason. The so do I cake convention. Let's get married. <laughs> I love that being like, Hey libs, I bet you think you can only eat birthday cake on your birthday. Well, guess what? Owned. <laughs> it's politically incorrect. You might not have health care, but this is freedom. Birth cake every day. What's a birth cake? I'm fucking tired. Man. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, um, a, it's it's the cake that comes out after you give birth to a child. Jesus. So, um, one, I'm just gonna jump jump right into it. Uh, yeah, Facebook, a famously great company, yeah. um, has decided that what they're gonna do uh, in order to fix their terrible reputation is um, they've decided to sort of burnish themselves by associating with uh, Nick Clegg. Seems like a fine idea. Yeah, we need to take on someone who's just uniformly popular to really boost our brand. Really, really trustworthy, you know. Um, Sources say the decision to hire Clegg is not designed to be a quick fix, but a, quote, bold example that the company is committed to tackling Facebook's policy and reputational challenges. Now, Michael, you wrote a note on the Google Doc to this effect. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very well suited to the job. So, I mean, his, his role in the coalition government was to take a group of right-wingers who are ripping off the British public and give it a sort of smiley liberal face. 
Facebook, they pay one percent tax in Britain. There's, they're, they're obviously screwing over the British public. He's there to sort of look look like the legitimate face of Facebook. They know he's not popular in Britain, but I think they think in Europe he might seem like a kind of reasonable guy. Oh yeah, he's going to be on. It's good for him to be honest. I mean, he's going to be on a big wage. It's much better than being the failed guy who yeah sunk the lip. Wait, down. I was going to say, I mean, like, wow, a brand with a huge problem. What does Nick Clegg know about that? <laughs> I can only like, imagine the the one thing we can trust. Like, this is what how this might actually be good is like. Nick Clegg being hired by Facebook means that within a year, somehow Friendster is going to be the dominant social network. MySpace will just make this weird sudden resurgence. Absolutely. I think that Facebook isn't screwing over the British public when you really think about it, because, you know, they may only pay 1% tax a year, but they are giving the British public a golden, unique opportunity to share memes about this soldier who saved a baby in this town in England, but no one will share now because you're all Muslim. You know, like the kind of stuff that my nan posts on Facebook. (laughs) Really? And without that kind of commentary, you know, where would the discourse be? I will also say this. If Nick Clegg is going to work for Facebook, one assumes he probably has to move to Silicon Valley, right? Yes. So in a sense, Facebook, (laughs) as much as we hate it, has done us a favor by taking Nick Clegg out of Britain and forcing him to move to California, where the time zone difference will be so obnoxious, it'll be very hard for him to weigh in on anything in real time here. That's actually actually an an unexpected bonus of of, um, Nick Clegg becoming Microsoft Clippy to Facebook. Yeah. Well, also the thing about I, I kind of the way I felt about this story was that like it, Nick Clegg is like you know a very flawed politician, but I mean he's not going to be like morally the worst person at Facebook. Like Nick Clegg is kind of like I feel like if you met him, he'd probably be like reasonably nice. I don't I don't feel like he's a bad person, but I just don't understand why the fuck Facebook needs Nick Clegg. I don't understand like who at Facebook what how massive was the line of cocaine that they did before being like Nick Clegg. <laughs> We need to get Nick Clegg. And it's like, why? He's a politician. He literally doesn't have... Just just get him on the damn phone. <laughs> He's going to come out of retirement for one last job. Well, I mean, basically, it's one of these comms things where it is just... It's just influence peddling, right? Where all of these sort of cushy comms during appointments, whether it's Chuck Romana getting appointed to his um, uh, a non-partisan partisan uh, uh, fucking uh, think tank, or James Harding starting his, like... Um, you know, fake news group home, or whether I say fake news, it's, it's a fake, fake news. Yeah, it's it's that it is a Ooh. fake group home for news. Um, or I you, didn't understand that sentence. But even, let's just move on. Or, it's a or fake Clegg. group home for news. Oh yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Oh, yeah. now that you've said it, <laughs> <laughs> I trust him more. Yeah. But, like, it's, but right, like, I it's, like the way Snarub thinks. <laughs> it's all it's all just influence peddling because they hired him because they wanted to like be able to work with the European Commission after Brexit because mm. like they they don't think you're, the UK is going to be an important market. No, probably quite rightly because after Brexit, then we're not going to share any more memes about like the Remainers and Muslims working together to establish a caliphate in your nan's garden hell yeah i mean i should probably clarify also that like my i don't think my nan knows when she shares things on facebook so this, like, my nan isn't actually like very offensive but i think just like accidentally shares things a lot like there's a lot of other just random shit mixed in there like tuesdays are for picking flowers comment on this if you'd like to buy 15 t-shirts and you're like what i don't know did she insinuate johnny mercer's wife was a prostitute it may have been her <laughs> it may have been her she, she does spend a lot of time on the plymouth herald comment section <laughs> my nan just feels very connected to the goings on in plymouth and uh she likes to give people her opinion on, on what's happening. I mean, there. I think if Nick Clegg is going to be the the new sort of global head of comms or, you know, again, essentially just like a guy who's got like Michelle Barnier's phone number, more or less, for Facebook, 
then maybe Vince Cable should take up the similar role for the Plymouth Herald uh, comment section. Oh, wait, hang on. The real social network. Vince, Vince Cable is like the, the Winklevoss twins of the Lib Dems because Vince Cable really invented the Lib Dems, but Nick Clegg says he invented the Lib Dems and like made all the money from it and now works for Facebook. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm just yeah. interested, though, because I assume this is going to be like an advisory role because, I mean... He's going to work like two hours yeah, a month. It can't like George be, Osborne at the it's, fucking, it's, it, it, fucking BlackRock. It can't be that he's going to be in a role in which he's actually going to be directing Facebook's comms in any capacity beyond like what you just described, a Rolodex full of people who are important in Europe. Mm. Well, it's like it's going to be their lobbyist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to be the guy yeah, who yeah. puts on a sort of sensible face for what they want to do. Absolutely. So, like, <laughs> junk or junker, what are you using? Bebo, get out of here. So, like, when, <laughs> I've got the website for you. When, like, so yeah, when, it's not a sales. It's not going to be like you guys. Have you heard of Facebook? <laughs> you should use Facebook. I just would love to see <laughs> yeah. that happen though, because I'd love to see the inept performance that would take place if he actually like came into that role. But instead of it just being like a two-hour week thing, like you're describing, he's like, no, I'm I'm here to represent Facebook. Like, I'm going to direct comms at Facebook now. Let me oh, tell, God. let me tout my previous successes in British. Politics. I would absolutely love it if like Chris Leslie got hired by Uber and all he ever did was like go in a hot air balloon over London with like a big banner trailing his promo code over it. Oh yeah. Wait, so it was a vague tangent about Facebook competitors. Uh, when I was at a, 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 a well-known sex form college uh, they made us sign- yeah I mean which is the thing apparently. I often tell people like which I'm just going to name it. I don't know why I chose not to name it. It was yeah. like weird like it's like a secret. I went to Hills Road Sixth College, which is like it's like renowned. It's like it, it like well, it, people who like are into schools, which is like not a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> the niche schools enthusiasts. It's like, it's like it's like pushy mums know about it because it's people like, would comment on like newspaper articles. It's one of those places. It's always yeah. like it's always in like an independent article when like A level results. Like and again, the best state school exam results in the country. The Hills Road Sixth School. It's like one of those. Where is yeah. it? North London. It's in no. It's in it's in uh, it's in Cambridge. But I commuted there. Yeah, Milo's trying to say he got really good grades in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got really... parents won the postcode lottery. I, Which is yeah, funny exactly, because yeah. before this show started, Milo was insisting he was the only person in the room who was never a nerd ever. But I, I don't know if I can believe that at this no, point. I was, you might have been a I fucking Apple polisher, I was definitely dude. like a, I was definitely like a, a book learning nerd, but I was never like a like weird online like anime nerd. I was never that kind of nerd. Uh, I, oh, yeah. hang on. A new challenger approaches. I've always been here. <laughs> Um, the same yeah. as just silently considering what we were talking about. I've always been here, but my headphones were on and I was just listening to like better podcasts. You're listening like, to the Romaniacs like being the, like, like, damn. Like the Romaniacs and Pod Save America. Um, mm. and, and, and my, and my, and my favorite podcast, um, Serial season two. Of course. Um, the, 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 the best version of Serial. Hussein has just been sitting here just silent with his fingers tented, just nodding occasionally. Stroking stroking the trash future cat, <laughs> anyway, which may or may back, not be a badger. Getting back to the uh, subject of my excellent A-level results, uh, which I will enumerate <laughs> in full in a bonus episode of this podcast, down to, down to uh, unit scores. Um, yeah, so th- this sixth one college that I went to, uh, when I was in, um, I think lower six, they, uh, the, the, like the college IT people invented a like internal school social network. They did a Matt Hancock called the inner tube <laughs> and they, and it was, we were made to all sign up for it. Like they would literally like deny us access to like our college email accounts and stuff until we had signed up to like Damn. the Hills Road sixth one college social network, the inner tube. I don't know if it still exists. If you're, if, if we have any listeners who are at six, Hills Road sixth one college, please let us know if it still exists and that, they were like, and, and they were that was the moment you... I stopped being a feminist <laughs> exactly yeah uh, because of some people on the on the Hills Road inner tube comment section who insinuated some very unfortunate things about my waifu <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, that's where that's where we all cut our posting teeth. Have we have we talked about the um, have we talked about the guy who um, is apparently insulted by MP's waifu? Yep. On- yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've oh, been okay. talking about it the entire time. And you had the headphones on because you just yeah. wanted to hear Sarah Koenig's voice talk about Bo Bergdahl over were, and over. You were again. too busy. You were too busy listening to like John, like John with no H Favreau, like talk to Kamala Harris about their great comedy show. Yeah. Right? We're gonna be we're gonna bring dignity back to American politics, <laughs> but we're gonna like swear a little bit while we do it. And everyone's yeah. like, damn, this is groundbreaking uh, radio. So guys, oh you heard my of his, god, you heard of this thing called Brexit? Here it's a, here it's a pretty big deal. I, you know what we should do? We should go into March. Oh, I, yeah. I, no one's thought to do a march to stop Brexit. Why don't they just freaking march? Yeah, especially with their dogs. I'm really excited. We're about getting that. so off topic. Yeah, wait, hang on. Um, uh, yeah. Serial Serial season three. Sarah Koenig investigates who it was that insinuated that um, that guy, <laughs> that Johnny Mercer's wife, was a prostitute on the Plymouth Herald conversation. She's like interviewing all the people who work at the Plymouth Herald, <laughs> people who comment on there. Uh, like, that's there's like this to... moment of like a piano key playing in silence. She's like, when I comment on the internet, sometimes I want to talk about other people's wives. Why do I do that? I'm not sure. But sometimes I just get on British websites and I pick MPs off Wikipedia. The twist is that the comment section is run by Discus. Mm. Um which manages lots of different comment sections on different oh, websites. Yeah. And they've got like a and they've got a base somewhere in um They've got a base somewhere in California, I and mean, they've got some other ones like scattered around the world. Um, so these guys who are monitoring, and I think one of them is based in India, right? Which was where, because there was a piece that came out a few months ago about how Discus was basically facilitating all the far right commentators on the internet. And these are like, and news organizations use software like Discus because they are not liable for stuff that happens because they can say, well, Discus is a different social platform. Hmm. Um, so we have no responsibility. So it's like, it's a real way of like shirking away. I think like Guido Fawkes uses that, but like a bunch of like really, the Telegraph uses it. There's a bunch of like, you know, the places where you expect all like the right wing kind of fascist garbage uh, is usually used by Discus. The only people who like take responsibility for the comments that they have in their comment thread are like surprisingly the mail online. <laughs> I used to get very angry discus comments on my student journalism articles. Yeah. Um, by people who've listened to the show, I think. Yeah, by that one weird tanky guy who went back and read all the articles I wrote when I was a student in order to get, <laughs> in order to get mad and prove that it was a waste of his time. And it's like, you could have just not read them. <laughs> um, so uh, last week, there are a few things, a few things happened. Uh, Princess Eugenie was married. Uh, the taxpayers footed a two million pound bill. Um, all the rough sleepers were cleared out of Windsor for the same for the second time in a year, um, and we received the notice of another royal baby. But in the exact same week as that, the universal credit rollout has continued and is now leaving. Um, I think if we we talked to about to Kimberly in our last episode, it's a conspiracy theory. Universal credit was cut so that we could pay for Eugenie's wedding. Uh, yeah. no, the sums I, that up. The new royal baby is called Universal Credit. <laughs> as, I, as I tie another piece of red thread across this huge poster board. I, th- I think what, what, what sort of, that sort of highlights, highlights to me, right, is um, that there is, that it, it seems as though the great and the good of our society have just completely forgotten that other people are watching their, um, yeah, we might say pageantry, right? That, it, that and that there is, an extraordinary amount of awareness that this state of affairs cannot possibly hold, right? Yeah, I mean, does Eugenie even know that international hackers are watching her jack off? What? 
Do you not remember when international hackers claimed to have a video of you jacking off? I remember that. This was like three episodes ago. You know I push a little button in the back of my head that resets my knowledge as soon as you put down the... I've got to bounce again. Oh. Even though I'll always be here. The new episode just came out. New episode right? of Serial just came out. He's just downloaded it. He's got to go and listen to it. Oh, I've got to listen to Ian Gunn. Right, but it's it's it see it seems like the the fact of these things happening in the same week. Mm. Obviously, it's not that it was scheduled, but it does it does seem to say sort of. I don't want. I'm, I'm not trying to bum myself out here, but it does seem to say that like this that the problems that we've been highlighting in our show that uh, the ruling class running out for themselves. Yeah. I yeah, agree. More or Wait, less. What? <laughs> what? Well, it does seem like we're kind of in like the clownish, cartoonish phase of Thatcherism, Reaganism at this point. Like yeah. some of the things that are just taking place in, in, in and happening in such a way, like with such a lack of self awareness that I think you were highlighting. Yeah, abs- this, that's that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm getting at here, right? Like it's mm. like I feel like we have like, at some point, and it was this this wedding with its sort of endless celebrity guest list. Uh, with its sort of uh, with its tax pay with its taxpayer bill, sort mm. of at the same time as the sort of callous disregard for like every other person in society. So, you know, uh, Ariana Grande could congratulate, you know, could 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 congratulate, you know, uh, Eugenie on her on her wedding. Did and, she? I don't know. Maybe I feel let down. I I'm like Ariana sure. Grande. I, I, she I, wouldn't do that. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just the first she's, famous person. She's I really work of. on Universal Credit. Is she? Oh shit! Never mind. I retract my comments on Ariana Grande. Well, yeah, I thought because we've talked about this before how Ariana Grande only became cool after her concert was blown up. Like she was never cool in any way before this, but just by being the victim of terrorism, suddenly people were like this Ariana Grande person is really cool. It's like not really. It's like that Banksy. Yeah. Um, No, but what I someone blew up Banksy, that would be pretty cool. I'm not saying do it unless that, it was it, actually Banksy. It would be, no, like, be the ultimate Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> Banksy feeds himself through a shredder. No, but like what I guess what what I what I mean is like it's we are we've at some point we have crossed the border in from like last days of Rome to all of our water is coming through decaying lead pipes last days of Rome. But that was all of Rome actually, the lead pipes thing. I guess I just I, I look at that and on one hand I'm like I mean, I, I, I'm the classic. What the do you lesson, want from me? The, the things can last a while, you know. <laughs> Fucked up shit can go on. It's I got true. a very good mark in my classical civilization A level. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I love about Milo is that as as the comedian, he once he makes a joke or something, he has to constantly make reference to it throughout the episode. It's sort of his thing. And mm. now he knows he's this look of resignation on his face that he realizes he's doomed to make his own A level jokes throughout this entire episode. <laughs> the he next hour, stop it. we're going to be hearing he a lot of A levels. He's going to be punished for philosophy A two module God. three. Just the, just just like these these people continuing to like the royals continuing to sort of have their very showy parties. Um, and celebrities continuing to sort of attend them and so on. It's just the, as the more and more this goes on, mm-hmm. like there's just, I think what they are sort of trying to defend their privilege by saying, oh, well, we do something for you. And you even, and it even happens like with, uh, with billionaires as well, right? Like, um, Bill Gates just went on, uh, the Ezra Klein show in Vox, uh, to say basically that like the booming population of Africa is the world's biggest problem. And that the challenge is that Africa must quote quadruple its agricultural productivity to feed itself. That's very daunting. And that the health system is sort of far worse in most African countries than, um, then in other other poor countries around the world, their agricultural advice largely broken down. Government resources are low because the level of taxation is low and the level of corruption is high. As though this is just a naturally occurring thing, and we need a and we need a billionaire like Bill Gates to sort it out. 
they're not convincing anybody that they're sort of worthwhile anymore. I think the mask is really slipping. Is that is that really a problem with Bill Gates though, or is that a problem with like colonialism and capitalism since like the 1600s? Because like Bill Gates, I think to be fair to him is like try like I mean you know he's a billionaire which is not good, but like he is at least trying to do something as flawed as it may be. Whereas like I mean like yeah, the problem with Africa is obviously like hundreds of years of fucked up colonialist shit. But like there's not much that Bill Gates can do about that. But the really? thing is, it's the existence of billionaires and royals that keep these countries like this. The fact that they sort of that they can exist in this enormous level well, of privilege. The existence of the British royal family does definitely not affect no, the Africa in any way. The the, I mean, no, it definitely did two hundred. That's years what I mean, ago, for sure. But they, like, not now. Yeah, but, but I do think that like the, the the contrast is pretty stark there, and and also the there's a subtext to people saying. Wow, there's just too many Africans. What are we going to do? Like, the world can't take this many Africans in the future. It's like, whereas if if this were reversed into a situation in like in North America or in Western Europe, it'd be like, wow, a baby boom. What economic growth we can look forward to? Like, there is a a, a frame to this that is inherently mm. prejudicial against the developing world and against Africans in, in particular. Yeah, there's an unspoken racist undertone. I don't to think it, it's unspoken. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's like it's pretty spoken. He's not well, advocating population control, though, is he? He's just saying that this is. He's saying everyone else solved poverty apart from Africa and there's going to be more Africans in the future. Yeah. I mean, the thing he ignores is the fact that the places where poverty has been reduced are the places where they were most mm. successful at resisting the Washington consensus <laughs> that all his yeah. money is imposed on the rest of the world. So, that, so the reason poverty is reducing now in Africa isn't because of Bill Gates, it's because of China. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And mm. moreover... Which, which, which is rich because they ignored, yeah, all the advice of his buddies. But I mean, I think, I think agnosticism about what the Bill Gates Foundation does is, is fine if he wants to treat malaria like yeah that's great but but if he wants to present himself as the person who can solve africa's problems that's kind of offensive mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean because even like no matter how good a billionaire you were you, you're never going to be able to solve africa's problems on your own i mean that's just kind of an insane task isn't it? i mean it's like a it's <laughs> like a mad it's going to require like huge governmental level like well, infrastructure for here's, a big here's the thing and this is this is something i said i said earlier this is this is truer now than i think it ever was is that all com- is that most is that uh, all journalists think they should be comedians M- a lot of comedians think they should be politicians politicians think they should be in tech and then the tech guys also they, think they, they should, should be, be in politicians. government <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. absolutely like I, I do not think i should be a politician i can't <laughs> clarify that enough as you will know from the fact that i didn't do politics a level but uh, where i did <laughs> where i did succeed at a level was in another area <laughs> what uh, maths actually, <laughs> maths was my best A level because I'm a fucking. And so now, nerd. as a mathematician, he can tell you that maybe the population in Africa is just growing too fast, and we need to solve it somehow. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm frantically tapping away at my steam-powered <laughs> adding machine, and uh, and I can tell you that yes, indeed, if you add more Africans, there will be more Africans than before. I, I will I will say one thing though that because uh, I've noticed this this line of argument. Uh, I used to live in New York, and I had a friend who worked in finance, and you know, brought me along one time when he was meeting with uh, an organization he wanted to donate funds to, and specifically, they ran a school. Uh, in Tanzania, um, but they also provided like medical care. And I mean, he had been interested in seeing this. He'd seen this video they put forth and he wanted to meet the people. And they were in New York and they, they met with him. And, and in conversation, I just remember these women, they were both women from the United States. Uh, they devoted their lives to living in Tanzania and working. But at the same time, the commentary they made about like, well, when we offer medical care, we basically insist that women have to take birth control before they're allowed to receive medical care. And like uh, that level, yeah, that, that, that attitude being there, I was yeah. like, I was like, hold up now. I mean, I was just so taken aback because it was, they just said it in a very kind of matter of fact way. And 
that attitude, I think what Bill Gates is alluding to, like, even if it seems relatively benign in the context of this, like, it's just, it's, it's billionaire trying to, you know, use billionaire powers to solve Africa, um, as, as <laughs> the same way that Batman solved exactly. Gotham. <laughs> but it, but I, I do think that they're there, that it's indicative of a much darker and worse strain of thought because of the fact that like there there are people who literally think that like you know that that, that should be the goal is to reduce the pop not to slow population growth but literally to like reduce the population or just to or just to you know engender development so it does so that a growing population isn't a problem you know it's quite simply like it's it's, well, it's just strange, isn't it? Because like you, you have this argument that permanent growth is what we need, otherwise the world stops. But then it's like, but not too much growth there. We don't want that. It's like, uh, oh wait, are you telling me this whole system is racist? I, no. I never could have believed no, that. No, 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 no. Well, this is where you get into the, the right. This is a classic one of the things where it's like this is a real problem, but it, like the the where the where the right talk about it in the wrong way because like yeah it, population growth in general is a problem because like there isn't an infinite amount of the planet and there isn't an infinite amount of resources and obviously like climate change and everything like that it's just that when people talk about population growth what they really mean is mm, a lot of brown people around these days <laughs> should probably do something about that but they don't think about it as like as a whole like ah oh, yes maybe there needs to be a way of thinking about like sustainable well, living when, for the human when race. societies develop like what population yeah. growth isn't even a problem no once you become a middle income society, then your population will probably stabilize yeah. or shrink. Yeah, that's why. So, I mean, so I mean, literally, isn't a problem population growth. Everyone goes full Japan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's that's that's but that's like that that's because that's that's like what that's why I think like the Gates and the Royals and they all have this in common where they've all identified a problem that their incredible privilege is the solution to. Whether mm. with the royals, it's like, oh well, we keep the tradition alive. We sell commemorative plates and all this. So they haven't identified any problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't, but like their boosters do, you know. Mm. Where it's like, ah, yeah, well, that's what we do. We perform this service, and if we don't get to live in a gold house, then then this service won't be performed, and the society will be worse off. The queen just wants to wear dope ass hats. <laughs> We got to get the queen decked out in Supreme. If there's a level on which I can relate to the queen is on that one. And and Bill Gates is like, well, I need to be a billionaire because I'm showing that it's worthwhile because look, I'm using all of my billions to create sex bots so we can give them to Africans so there won't be any more African. Sex bots. Bill Gates actually did say that. Our libel lawyer said it's okay for us to put that out there (laughs) on the air. Bill Gates likes sex bots. He said Japanese waifu pillows were good, but sex bots are where it's at. That's where the world needs to be for development yeah, to take place. Absolutely. We need, we need, everyone needs to fuck robots and then the human race can quietly that is really, die that, off. That's the epistemology of this show when you get down to it. Yeah. Everyone is, has to fuck robots. Yeah. Everyone has to fuck robots and I'm interested. In, yeah. Everyone, it's hey, it's like the police, like all of a sudden, like instead of, you know, massively over policing sort of like low income areas or whatever, the police bust down uh, like, like nightclub doors of guys like in, in hats trying to do magic tricks for girls and be like, hey, you have to fuck a robot. It's the best form of contraception. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah. What, fucking a robot or trying to do magic tricks to fuck but, but people? I do think that if there was a thread to tie this together, though, that... Um, the grotesqueness. I was like, I was doing my American equivalent of my A-levels. You know, yeah. We had this this essay question about... There is uh, no American equivalent of A-levels. Don't be fooled, listeners. <laughs> accept <but>. no alternatives. <laughs> and if you absolutely want to accept no alternatives, you need to go to Milo's A- Sixth Form College, the best one in Britain, <laughs> for, for the amount of money you're you going to Sign up for the inner tube. You hear that, every, everybody? Every listener, Milo went to a really good Sixth Form. And uh, his dad actually drives a Ferrari, but it's in the shop. You can't see it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the point the point here is that um, t- 
talking about this contrast, like the grotesqueness of the the contrast of poverty in the in the UK in the developing world, this absolute like myopia when it comes to being able to understand like why the, these resources aren't being allocated correctly, and then looking at something like universal credit, which is just an act of wanton cruelty at this point. Um, just my Milo talking about like uh, grinding to get ahead in your career instead of just grinding forward and like never getting ahead because nothing gets better, like. That's basically a welfare policy in the UK. Like just continually, obviously terrible, getting worse and worse you know, it's, and worse. It's, 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 an, it's, a welf, it's a welfare policy that has been reduced to an Instagram meme. Well, yeah. yeah it, but the thing about it is, is that much like, uh, much like this current government, it just grinds on forward, never advancing, never getting better, often getting worse, but with no end in sight, apparently. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't even do what it says out to achieve. Like all these things are like supposed to save money and they never do. They always just like create problems which end up causing more money. It's, it's and almost, even by its own logic. It's, it's almost all, like they're not really trying to save money. They're just trying to be cruel. The thing it does is it lowers wages. Yeah. So it's, it's very good for the capitalist class. Because oh. the whole point is that if you Those make it... Those guys again. Yeah, I know. So it, has, it hasn't actually lowered the welfare bill because you have to waste shed loads of money on all the administration and all, all the people who tell you that you're fit for work when you're actually about to die in two weeks. But it's really good for workers to undermine workers' rights and to lower wages if they know that if you lose the job, you'll have to accept another one in a week. So it uh-huh. basically gives you, there's a big argument sort of like in Sweden in the 70s of like the trade unions, which is to say that if you have high welfare benefits, that gives workers quite a lot of power in the face of their employers, because if the employer screws them over, they can go away, have six months on a similar wage as they had before whilst they're looking for a job. And if an employer is going to screw them over, they can say, no, I'll, I'll take a different job. So this whole point, if you make it so that the only way you can possibly survive with any dignity at all is to take any job that you're offered then obviously employers can treat you like shit. That's how you become a podcaster. Well, because basically what, what that is, and that's, I'm going to tie it together again, uh, is what you see when you combine all of that together, it is something like, 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 like Chuck Romana's like fake think tank that he's making 500 pounds an hour to do, or Nick Clegg's like role as the, you know, the phone, the, the Rolodex for Facebook, or even like, even like, you know, the, the, the Royals whose job is to wave, you know, this is just ruling class solidarity. All of these people have class consciousness and the only people who aren't allowed to have class consciousness is the working class. Everyone else all basically works together to shield one another and, and, and keep that position intact and keep everything more or less frozen. And then um, we're all going to die in a boiling ocean in 10 years. But I mean, Bill Gates can be a respectable, smart person and go out and, and you know, smart as in as he's perceived and yeah. say, wow, maybe there are too many Africans. Levels. But nobody, nobody's out here saying there's too many fucking royals and too many fucking weddings. How do you even keep up with them? I mean, <laughs> quite frankly, as an outsider, I mean, like, it just seems like... I, weddings royals- do statistically lead to more kids. So... <laughs> I mean, I, sure, but I, mean, I didn't, gay I, weddings. I, I didn't go to as good of a sixth form college that's what, I say. that's what I want. <laughs> Um, Royal babies have a really big carbon footprint. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that actually is probably true. No, I mean it is true. Yeah. That's undeniably it's, true. Yeah. yeah, every time there's R- a royal, richer yeah. babies have a higher carbon footprint Despite than having any tiny, other babies. Tiny feet. <laughs> Damn, it's very selfish of them, really. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Oh, they're all wearing size thirteen Jordan carbon shoes. Um, but if we're talking about how all the news is going too fast, uh, don't worry because James Harding, former head of news at the BBC, has a solution to all of all this shit. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of the problems we're talking about, everything we're talking about, you know, it could be solved if only people knew the real truth and didn't keep falling for this danged fake news. Can we insert the bit from a few good men here where it's like the truth, you can handle the truth. I don't know. I'd say there's a 40% chance Nate does that. 
I mean, I might just, I'll either do it or I'll just leave your instructions impotently in the podcast when it doesn't yeah. happen. But uh, we'll see. We can probably, we can probably get away <laughs> with Listeners? that. Listeners? Mm. <laughs> to even advertise it as, as a counter to fake news. I thought the whole point was he was head of news at the BBC. Yeah. And he was like, God, there's just so much going on. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I, mean, that's, I only want to do five stories a day. That's more or less there's it. so much news. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a bad job yeah. to take on if you find... Uh, an abundance of stories overwhelming. So that's right. By the time I get to it, it's more like old. Am I right? We're talking about, uh, A, uh, we're going to replace Milo with a tropical fish. B, we're talking about tortoise. Uh, A a, a a, a startup that is finally solving the problem of news. We finally fixed it. Because it's not as though there are a million fucking, uh, we've solved news by making it smart and outside the filter bubble startups already. And they definitely have changed the media landscape themselves. Mm. That there, there, there have been, and they didn't. Because as we know, the first startup to try and solve the news was Huey Lewis. Anyway, fine, fuck it. We'll just leave. It's not we'll been just, a good we'll... episode. Let's not lie to ourselves. <laughs> Let's just, just, just leave. Don't pretend that's the worst thing I've said, Riley, because it isn't. <laughs> I didn't get the I reference. Mean, I just want to apologize to Michael. Oh, it's a, it's a terrible that... 80s band from the oh, okay. US. Yeah. People don't listen to the lyrics, but they should. This, this startup is essentially saying that there's too much news and people can't make any sense of it. And if they can't make any sense of it, they won't make informed political decisions. Mm. And once again, the problem of our current, say, crisis of liberal democracy is that people are just too damn dumb. And they don't they don't or they're too dumb or they're not well informed and there's too much news or too much fake news. And if we can solve the news, then Tortoise, this startup, uh, thinks that then democracy will go back to how it was in 2015, more or less. A tortoise is a very apt name because it's the kind of idea that would be come up with by someone who is over 150 years old. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess something that I'm struggling to understand is that, uh, for one, I like I like the point you made here that, like, go back to that paradise 2015 when everything was perfect. It's like, because basically, we talked about this before on the show, that, like, the last gasp of an era when you could pretend that like politics was over and now that all of a sudden you know there's, there's these 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 cataclysms have taken place you know in in, in Europe and in the United States um, all of a sudden it, it's forcing people to attend to the fact that there is actually like something is not right with with neoliberal the neoliberal consensus but I mean to me I guess the thing is that if the idea is that the news has to be better versus like the massively billion dollar value disinformation platforms not being like those need to be stripped of their power. That's my argument. And like the idea, like, no, there should just be better viral news being shared on Facebook. It's like that doesn't actually make any sense because like until you take away the conduit by which disinformation is being spread, which in this case is, you know, a very cynical kind of like weaponization of um of, of the internet and of people's gullibility and of like the ubiquity of these platforms. Like until you can do something about that, it doesn't matter. Like because it, your 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 comment here, the, the the love child of TED Talks and the Economist, like no one's gonna fucking share that. They're gonna share like the racism site that's like written in Macedonia or whatever. Oh, absolutely, you know? <laughs> the Roger Federer magazine. Well, it's a, <laughs> uh, that also wasn't your comment. That was that was how it was comment. described by the yeah. founder. You're, yeah. yeah. Oh, they, yeah. fuck. I mean, that's saying, the most yeah. jokes between in TED Talks and the Economist. See, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on this, Michael, because it it strikes me as like there's a universe where people hear that and they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Like that's definitely not the universe we live in. And like <laughs> like that to me is beyond the point of parody. I'd be like, wow, Riley, that joke's a little bit ham-handed. Like try a little harder next time. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it could work. I mean, Vox, it sounds a little bit like Vox. I mean, I think they should have just sold it as that, which sort of like, if you want the liberal take on stuff, I mean, it's not a terrible website. It's not a terrible podcast. I mean, like, I don't really back it politically. But I mean, if they do it right, they could. I mean, it's the whole launch of it was a bit cringe because obviously they tried to make out that it was, there was this huge sort of like grassroots desire for this by doing a platform fundraiser. 
But I mean, obviously they'd lined up quite a few people who were going to donate 8K oh, yeah. before it happened. It wasn't, you, you don't just get people like, oh, tortoise, that sounds cool. 8K, I'll donate that in the first hour. <laughs> so so there, was a, there was a slightly convoluted uh, uh, way by which it was launched. The donation I'm, I'm, is 8K and the prize for this dodgeball composition is exactly yeah. 8,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I've got me an idea. I mean, I'm very confident it's going to be pretty dry. But I mean, yeah, I, oh, you could just cut the cut to the chase and just have a law that means that 25% of news stories have to be instantly deleted. <laughs> so it's a quicker way of cutting Ooh. down the amount of news that everyone's that overwhelmed with. Extend that to tweets and you've got me on board. Like, lo- mm. like, like Logan's run, but for news. <laughs> when they get too old. <laughs> Taking news stories behind the barn and shooting them in the head. <laughs> <laughs> like, but So the site was uh, this, this site, and it basically is just a website with a comment section. Um, is it that is the, the somehow the love child of TED Talks and the Economist? Yeah, another so platform liberal problem solving, on which I can make insinuations about Johnny Mercer's wife. <laughs> and it's it's sort of here's basically what the, what the deal is. They do five stories a day, and they and they don't do breaking news. They just do news analysis. So it's an op-ed site, or maybe it's like a written down podcast. Um, <laughs> wow, that would be great. I would really love to have that. Yeah, mm. they but they do neutral analysis. They do apolitical, they say, analysis where they do the best ideas from both sides, which is again obviously insane. A little bit of internment camps, um, a little bit of welfare, but not too much. <laughs> and the site, but the site, we talk about funding. It was funded by eight investors initially, who were all like CEOs and like and and sort of like hedge fund people. And so it even and, and then it says despite not being aligned to any party, Tortoise Media will have a strong point of view for instance on Brexit. They promise to have a point of view. <laughs> but also you know what their point of view is going to be. It's going to be like, well, actually if you look at the figures, uh Brexit will make the UK uh, w- uh this uh, much worse off and mm, actually will cause a tailback at the M5 tunnel or whatever. And it's like it's it's as though That's what the government said. Yeah. You don't, need a, you don't need a slow news channel to tell you that there's going to be a backup on the M25. Yeah. And then they're going to cite yeah. the government, which is the most reliable source, and then say, oh, good job, everybody. We finally fixed the news. Now I assume the problems will solve themselves. So I'm now wonder- we can get Nick Clegg back from Facebook and he can be the prime minister. <laughs> yeah. He's been sorely missed already. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm wondering is what is driving this, this anxiety about the news on the part of this elite class? Like, is it the stories are making me upset? And thereby they must all be fake, or is it the fact that there is a lot of disinformation being circulated via social media, for example, and that um, that the sort of the uh, obsolescence of the gatekeepers that previously existed in the media environment now creates this this situation in which people are able to spread disinformation far more easily. Like, is that the anxiety? Whereas the anxiety, like people are, are are upset about about these good things the government are doing, like universal credit, and we we don't like that. We want to go back to those good old days when the Olympics were good. Like, you know what I mean? Because that's mm-hmm. invariably what it comes down to. It's like it's like Danny Boyle did such a good job. The Olympics were so the, the ceremony was so uplifting. Like, like Britain they, was perfect in 2012. Yeah, they Let's go back to they that. They want a Groundhog Day 2012. But I don't know what, what's 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 your take on that. I mean, I think it's. I mean, there's also just a, a mundane explanation, which is that you used to, the business model's broken for the traditional news, and then this is the new one, right? Yeah. So everyone's cobbling around for a new way to to make this work, and so the news media is no longer financially sustainable because people just go on the internet, and no one buys a newspaper. That used to, the, the people buying a newspaper for news used to fund the investigation section, but now they have to cut their losses on the news, and that will be provided by people on the internet. And then they provide the comment. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very cost efficient way of mm-hmm. making a website. So if you look at something like Vox, what they did is they got venture capital money and then they built out an organization looking at what is the media environment now 
we'll hire the 20 people who do the actual relevant things instead of having the 100 people who do the stuff that doesn't make any money, which is if you're a legacy organization. So, I mean, that's the... That's a sort yeah. of banal business studies explanation. I mean, mm. they, they sound like they're centrists who want everything to go back to 2010, yeah. but... Uh, I think, like, the other as thing. far as 2010. <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's very <laughs> expansive. Oh, good evening, good, yeah. wi- good wife Edwards. <laughs> we had a lot of... I mean, those guys had a lot of... Uh, High hopes for Nick Clegg as deputy prime minister. Yeah, yeah. I mean, NW so that, still that probably was he, the happy, the happiest moment for those guys. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like it was politics without politics. It was like we had a sensible, like center right uh, guy. We had a an opposition that was willing to compromise, and between them all stood an apolitical political party where the leader lead guy looked like Hugh Grant. It was completely perfect for them. Yeah, I mean, God, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because as much as like we know all about all of the terrible problems which existed still then and are the reason we're in the situation we are in now. It does still feel a bit like Halcyon days, doesn't it? Like like David Cameron is such a cuddly figure compared to like the out and out Mad Max style conservatives that we have now. <laughs> well, it's, it's the other is, is he was, he, in the, in, in, in the film, he is the sort of the oafish dupe of the villain because I don't think David Cameron is smart enough to be evil. I think he's basically just incredibly entitled and very dumb. Um, but I think Nate, if I was, he to, was fucking a pig, the next minute, <laughs> if I was, if I was to answer your question, I would say it's because these people believe them believe that there is a, a set of apolitical facts, and it's the job of the voter to get informed about these apolitical facts, and then they will, based on these facts, evaluate the political non-fact positions put forward by political parties, and then they will vote for the one that accords most with the facts. In their dream world, there is one party that gives all the facts, and then everyone dutifully votes for them, and they get 100% of the electorate. And the problem is that politics... So what you're saying is, is politi- they want to live in North Korea. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. Poli- that <laughs> politics is libidinal. It does, and the reason they're saying we need to fight all this fake news shit or we need to, all this fast news, we need real analysis that gets to the facts is because they're scared of the fact that it's libidinal because it means that they can't manage stuff with a priest-like claim on truth anymore. Well, I mean, and, and you, you raised this in the notes too, that uh, the idea that, that it's, it's, it's fundraised, it's, it's providing access for people who can pay, what, 250 pounds to be able we'll to- We'll get to that. Yeah. We will that, get to that. That, that effect, effectively, it's, it's clearly an elite offering for an elite consumer. And the elites, um, in my opinion, it seems, that, like, are upset that, as you just described, like, the bad humors of the classes that shouldn't have a vote are- disturbing the ambiance and they want to that to go away and so there must be a solution that doesn't make the elites uncomfortable in any way whatsoever and it's just, it's we need to get better and more invested in facts i mean i realize that what i just said could literally be like with a couple of tweaks be something alex jones would say but i mean in a sense like this strikes me as an elite offering yeah like, you don't got the voice well, I, I don't i don't i know there's too much news <laughs> We've got to stop all the news. It's killing the babies. The royal babies. They're turning the news gay. <laughs> well, the frogs were first and then the news, you know. I'd love it if the news was gay. That would be so much better. The news should be make, make the news gay again. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Episode title. Wait, well, you could get Donald Trump to say, make America gay again. You could convince him in some like roundabout way that that's the right opinion to have. Like that, that it's possible. If you get the <laughs> right people in the Oval Office, it would take like maximum three hours. <laughs> 20 minutes. 20 minutes. If you compliment him, he will do anything you ask. Already, he's basically come on side for the Saudis being like, no, I don't think they killed that guy just because they put his portrait up on a no, hotel. I mean, literally, there's going to come a moment like this, this, this is, I mean, I hope that we could talk about that to some extent about some of the, 
elite. I realize that we, you've done all this work to prepare the episode, but then also like some of these insane things that have happened that show like the venality of this sort of elite media class and just the the, the way that that people in power are are reacting to it, vice what it was say five years ago. But to me, I'm just laughing because Donald Trump. There literally is going to come a moment when his his exclama- explanation is just going to be like the Kashuki guy. He just didn't actually exist. He wasn't real. Like that, that <laughs> given was, what that, we know that, about that, string the video, theory, the, just, the Kashuki guy fake, might not have ever existed. It was just fake news. Him going into that constantly. He wasn't a real person. <laughs> Like, yeah. We are getting close, dangerously close yeah, to that point. Like, like, like a disgraced like children's musician is just going to be blamed for hypnotizing the entire musician. Magician is going to be blamed for <laughs> like hypnotizing the entire country into thinking Jamal Khashoggi existed. Well, it's like the, re- the reason he believed the Saudi foreign minister. So he was very firm. I can't do, I can't do the Donald Trump accent. But he, was, he, he was said it. He was, he was very firm. Uh, about about it it's like wow that's, you know, that, that was easy for him yeah <laughs> you just you just he, he looked into my eyes when he said we didn't kill the guy if you compliment donald trump on his business sense you could win a can of poker against him with just all red cards that aren't related to one another oh literally like you, you, i i swear to god he would like put the village people in the cabinet tomorrow if one of them said that he did a very good deal once <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, he would have the no. He would he would appoint like um, he would appoint the police one to like be the the justice secretary. Be like no, I saw <laughs> the Native the American one just to remind everyone that that woman isn't a real Native American actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I've got the I've got the actual offering of what you get if you sign up to Tortoise. Let's hear it. Um, first, you have a daily edition, which is for your smartphone. Uh, which is good because you know we I, I, we're, all, dumb phone. we're all staring at these phones all the time. I don't know if you guys noticed. Um, effectively, a slow news feed at 11 a.m. in London and 6 a.m. in New York with five key pieces breaking down the important I issues of the day. I just explained the time difference between London and New York <laughs> in case you weren't familiar with the idea that things are time is different. <laughs> Look, this is one of these facts that they have yeah, to they're highlight. They're introducing you to objective facts. Ah, uh, yeah. This is one Getting of them in there early. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of many facts. It seems like a lot of people being like, wait, no, but like 7 a.m. in New York is 7 a.m. in London because it's 7 a.m. Well, I'm not falling for this. <laughs> Second, a daily editorial conference running from 6 p.m. to 7.40 uh, p.m., which will be called a think-in. Hell yeah. Thinkedin.com. Who's there? Do you get to go if you if you give them 250 quid? Yeah, for 250 quid a year, you get to be a member and go to the newsroom. Uh, which is kind of like Patreon tier. Well, no, it's it, you know, it's it's like a Make a Wish program for nerds, where like you get to go see the news getting made. But I mean, what happens if you have you've done all of the work to prepare those five news stories, the only news stories for the day? But then like there's another nine eleven or something like that. Like what? Do no they, breaking news. There's no job. breaking news. So so, so the, nine twelve. <laughs> it's like uh, well, so basically on their website they just like put a big red banner. We'll get to that tomorrow. Well, no, it's, we it's haven't like, had time yet. Yeah, it's, like, it's like everyone goes to like Willy Wonka's news factory. And mm. you know the the news Olympas or whatever are there like you know <laughs> the water fountain of molten news. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's the news Olympa is sitting there typing up a story like uh, is cryptocurrency the uh, the next disruptive force to come out of Silicon so, Valley. So I have to I have to ask and, and, and I realize you've you've done the, the investigative work here. Uh, have they unlike tortoise? Oh yeah, exactly. Mm. Have they have they prepared any examples of what their news stories are going to look like? Like what are these five golden tickets that you're going to get every day? Two girls, one cup. Where um, are they now? <laughs> yes. I, I ha- the team will prepare a set of tortoise notes for every thinking, which will offer a guide on the topic being discussed. 
And whether it's cryptocurrencies or Marvel movie franchises, we will offer a tortoise take at the end, an opinion informed by what's been said. So is there a big takeaway? Take. Is there a big takeaway that they need to be branded like a fast food franchise? Like <laughs> change nothing of the model, just like give everything cutesy names. I mean like uh, that's that's exactly it. I love also how they just like describe things in very like overly detailed ways to describe the fact that it's just like a very obvious and normal way of doing things. Like we will provide an opinion that is informed by what has been said. It's like it's never been done before. I don't know. About I trust it's this. literally like what the panicking ministers in the thick of it say. Well, certainly we will take into account all of the things that are said and say something which reflects the things which other people have said in that time. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's a theme park. It's a it's a theme park for people who fetishize like um it's a theme park for liberals who fetishize sort of truth and facts in the West Wing. Don't give, don't give the liberals truth and facts. Come on. No, they, sorry, they fetishize capital T truth, capital F facts. Okay, all right. And, and Branded. It's, it's, it's such a postmodernist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this is not the left I signed up to. <laughs> I kind of, I kind Scientific of. socialism, baby. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I spent way too much time with way too much Baudrillard. Well, I mean, when you talked about this with Tortoise, like I thought it was going to go in a very direction. That there was going to be some kind of chintzy thing that's like, the you know the, the the there's there's a golden turtle on every story that proves that it's fact and not fake you know because like what is the thing that's making this objectively better other than the fact that it's like no you should give us your money and not some other group like there really isn't anything differentiating look it's be- because news is un- because basically like people's friends from like high school posting blue lives matter memes replaced the news for most people um, very true is that the news has then metastasized to other industries and other business models to try and stay relevant so so Verit is basically like breaking news plus Twitter um, and uh, the the and the and tortoise is basically the NY Times op-ed page plus Chessington world of adventures um, great reference to Chessington world of adventures as someone whose entire career is just loving niche references that that really <laughs> That warms the cockles of my heart. But, it's, it, but that's what I mean. It's so they're just being like, "Look, it's not enough to do this anymore. We need to let people in to like, you know, to see us like distill the facts from the fact juice. We need, or we need to like, you know, show that it's a real, it's a real verified verit fact. And I'm a Lebanese uh, soldier club musician, so I should be able to tell." Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at this and it, it's just strange because it doesn't seem like it. It's like it was a new model for news. That's not. basically the exact same model, just like slightly rarefied and also like giving themselves a really small workload every day. It's like we get <laughs> only the most important five stories. It's like, which also means we don't have to do that much work. <laughs> wow, that yeah. sounds like a great place to work while they're I funded. Know. But I don't know if you want to like get a mortgage while working. If there's something that we can get behind, it's doing almost no work. Almost no work at all. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hell yeah. Hello. <laughs> I've always been. Say, Hussein, you look like you have something to say. Uh, how many y'all heard of Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I you know what? If we had enough facts, we wouldn't be doing a Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, just like um, just like all like James Harding basically wants to create UBI for like his friends in media and wants everyone to see them sort of you know working away. Um, Chakarumana also now has his own sort of UBI for Chakarumana, um, as he has now the director of a of a new think tank. So just like, thank God we finally got a news organization that was going to cut through the bullshit and give us just the facts, we now have a think tank that finally is going to get above the partisan rabble. Thank goodness. Amazing. You it climb is- into the think tank, you do your thinking, and then you write the summary of the things that have been said in the think tank. My favorite, <laughs> think, my favorite centrist think tank is the Gatestone Institute. Oh, uh, very sensible. Which is very sensible and very logical and rational think tank. Mm. 
mm. um, who have never they they were the ones who basically pushed this myth of like the, of the no go zone. Um, oh, right, but we're famously oh, yeah. in. Yeah, we're right? in right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The famous yeah. no go zone that we're currently in. The Sharia police are currently watching us. Oh, to be fair, actually, Whitechapel is a no-go zone from the point of view that you might very well be run over by a sort of 23-year-old uh, British Asian guy who spent like money from his dad's restaurant on a BMW M5 and he's driving it around at like 6,000 revs for no apparent reason around the area. I think this, this, happened, this happened to me like... This it almost happened, happened so many times. Almost, That's why I'm being so specific. This almost happened to me the first time we came to a new place. And like the first thing I said to Nate was like, I almost got hit by a car. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Well, I'm just laughing because another centrist think tank. The first thing that came to mind was um, I, I, I have a, a particular fixation on watching Yasha Monk get owned online because he's constantly saying some of the dumbest shit out there. And I know if you notice this, but you know he represents the was it the Tony Blair Institute for International whatever. So already he's really he's 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 got his the bar is set quite low. But he um, he made this commentary about uh, about Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil being the exact same as the Mexican president elect. Um, he's like, wow, a slide towards populism and authoritarianism on the same continent. It's like, but Mexico and Brazil aren't on the same continent. They're yes. not on the same fucking continent. Yeah. Literally, one's in North America, one's in South America. So it's like the guy who apparently, when I think progressive think tank in the UK, I'm also I'm like people who literally don't know what a map looks like, but are here to tell you that we should go back to 2012. That's why they should watch more Paul Joseph Watson. Exactly, <laughs> because if nothing else, I'm away from that, knowing where the continents are. Some people say that the politics is bad, but I'm just watching for the map. <laughs> I don't have access to any other maps. <laughs> so I, I've got the I've got the article in front of me uh, of. Oh, Chuck Romana announcing the think tank for which, as a director, he's making uh, sixty-five thousand pounds a year, which, based on his work requirements, is five hundred pounds or so an hour. Uh, I'm really glad that he's pulling that in because we wouldn't want someone like that to have to go on universal credit or something because he's one of the best our society has to offer. Um, so this month, he writes, the Progressive Centre UK, a new think tank and network of progressives, um, to which I have an appointed chair, uh, launches with the explicit aim of connecting progressives from the UK uh, with the latest ideas and experience from around the globe. On a new social network we're calling the Inner Tube. <laughs> <laughs> the Plymouth Herald comment section. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, it's fashionable to claim that progressive politics has been in decline across the Western world since the global financial crash of 2008, that progressive politicians don't know what they stand for anymore, and the parties of the far right and far left have been resurgent. It's not fashionable, it's true. So is yeah. it is progressive? I mean, I know, I know we're not, not supposed to talk about truth. But, uh, small T, I small think it tea. exists. Small T truth, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the bit I really love about this is he goes on to say, there is a generation of politi- politicians, mostly in their late 30s and 40s, leading the progressive charge internationally. It's like, I looked up his age, he's 40. Yeah. So it's like, nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, wink. There's politicians, mostly in their late 30s and 40s, some of them... MPs for boroughs in the outskirts of capital cities. <laughs> nudge, like, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Many of whom in their early 40s, but some of whom in their late 30s, because I do hang out with people younger than me. And, so, uh, <laughs> and you can't say I don't. <laughs> it's the, it's, I, I love that the whole thing is like, yeah, these, this new crop of politicians who are fucking sexy as hell, by the way. <laughs> these what? guys, huge dicks, just like trailing on the floor. Two, two things I want to throw in really quickly, because... For, for one thing, for American listeners who may not be as familiar, since we do have a lot of American listeners. I don't know why that I don't know is. Why. Um, Plymouth Herald. Right? Yeah, Plymouth Herald. <laughs> yeah, for, 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 so Plymouth is a city in the south of England. Um, yeah. So uh, Chukamona is sort of a, a legacy Blairite MP. 
yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, and that we might want to give a little bit of context on him that like he's been fighting against the, the, the Corbynism because in Britain specifically, because Americans don't realize like, there's no such thing as primaries here. And basically, once you're an MP, if you're in a safe constituency, it's a meal ticket for the it's rest UBI. of your life. It's UBI. UBI. It's UBI exactly. for Chuck Romano uh, and Chris always, Leslie. You'll always get reelected. Mm. And so he has been a thorn in the side of Corbynism because he's uh, basically, he, wa- he wants Blairism. He wants the Clintons, basically, the British equivalent forever because it, it was his meal ticket. And clearly, he's not going to have that yeah. under Corbyn. The British version of the of 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 the Clintons is uh, Neil Hamilton and his and his and his weird wife. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, because they fuck. <laughs> I was going to say we don't have a British version of the Clintons because no one in British politics fucks. But then, yeah. no, no, they definitely Neil Hamilton, he fucks. No, that's the yeah. problem. I th- isn't it the problem that a lot of people in British politics fuck too much? Right, like all like all know. the all the, the like the like the. Like the the sort of Obama staffers and 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 Hillary staffers and stuff. Like no, they 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 never do. Like they go into hypersleep for most of their lives. But the problem is like the like British MPs like like the like they just they keep like like they people keep finding condoms in the House of Commons. And I guess like that's good because they're using protection. But like ultimately, who want MPs to be breeding? <laughs> we don't want no MP. We don't want them to give the House of Commons. MPs. In my opinion, overpopulated <laughs> and is unable to sustain his current. Uh, but uh, so. Uh, he, he, he writes, the debate in the UK has been stuck along two tram lines, the battle between the hard left and so-called centrism in the, in the Labour Party, too often framed and claimed by allegiances to leaders of another generation. What on earth do you think he could possibly mean? Well, the, the next bit, so later he says, they often get lumped in with the leaders of the past, but the big difference between this generation and the early, earlier generation of progressives is that their politics has been formed in a post-crash world. I mean, like, Chuck Romano, the, the crash happened in 2008. So he stood to be leader of the Labour Party in 2015, and he was saying, you know what we need to do? We need to be a, we need to be a party that's pro-austerity, that's pro-capitalism, and that rejects any kind of redistribution, rejects any kind of public investment. Like, he, he didn't learn anything from the crash. Yeah. The, give the, the people what they give, want. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, his politics, because he isn't even a legacy Blairite. He's, his politics, why, he's, he's got a problem. No one likes him because his politics moves every two years. So there's no one, he doesn't have a grouping around him who, who actually want him to be the leader. Just like Chris Leslie. <laughs> Just like streetwear. Just like streetwear. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 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 in 2016, he said sort of like, if we have to leave the single market to get rid of migration, we should do that. Then in 2017, he's like, we have to stay in the single market at all costs, even if it means overriding democracy. In 2010, he was elected as a left-wing candidate as part of Compass. So he's all over the fucking place. Wow. So I think the the idea that he could have learned anything from the crash is is ridiculous. Well, he learned. Um, Some of us learned yeah. we couldn't get promoted in about 2016, and that's when our politics changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, the reason I bring that up is just because progressive in the in the American context is used as like a means of of either trying to not go full socialist, like for politicians who want to be like, don't worry, investors and hedge funds, I'm not actually socialist. It's also a means of like putting a bandaid on the fact that liberal is like. A, a sl- basically used as an insult amongst conservatives. And so it's weird to see him saying progressive because like if you're actually looking at uh, unless you're saying okay progressive in, in, but only going so far as to not threaten capital then like that doesn't actually make sense. Well that is what he's that's what he's saying. Yeah, it, it, but but it's, it's just yeah. weird to see that word kind of used as like as a means of not a, basically saying I'm not socialist don't worry business people um, you know as a salve because like it's it's done in the same way in the US because people are afraid of socialism and also because being a liberal is like you know it's it's basically own the libs it's yeah. it's an insult it, the, the liberals are perpetually owned i don't think he's trying to reassure capital i mean i think capital are already pretty reassured at chuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that by using progressive he's trying to say i'm not a tory 
Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. progressive just means not Tory in this context. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's what I what I what what, what this article does, and it's one of my favorite things that centrists do. Ever. I love when they do this. Is he says that this new generation of politicians respects the achievements of the wave of third way leaders in the 90s and noughties, but recognize that times have changed, which requires modern solutions to today's problems. Right? Where it's basically what he's saying is we can't. I agree. We do need modern solutions to today's problems. Yeah. I like this guy. <laughs> so, first, you need to That's download politics. Incredibly generic. <laughs> yeah. You need to download Matt Hancock MP. Yeah, absolutely. To start there. But what, what I'm saying is like he's doing the thing where he's like, everyone who's saying they want socialism is forgetting that Tony Blair did sure start, basically. And that centri- and centrists do this all the time. They're like, no, you have to respect that Tony Blair had quite a few achievements, so don't ask for anything better. Yeah, we're going to keep sure start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we'll make it universal, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, it's like, no, but I'm trying to make sure start universal. You're, you're, dis- you're, you're ruining the art that Tony Blair did because they can't see Paul. Ultimately for them, politics is personal. It's about their personal career. It's about showing how great they are and how they can be their own little play acted West Wing. Yeah. And this, you know, it's like when people say that, you know, that music is the space between the notes. And in many ways, the real sure start is the Iraq war. <laughs> Because it's only because of the Iraq war that you can appreciate Sure Start as much. Like, if Jeremy Corbyn just readed Sure Start, it wouldn't be as good. It'd be like if they so, brought back the doors, but Jim Morrison wasn't on heroin anymore. You just wouldn't, it wouldn't pop. I mean, the, the Iraq war is actually why Sure Start gets such good PR. Exactly. That's, that's what the whole, there's a whole generation of politicians who had to dedicate their lives to talking about Sure Start, Sure Start, Sure Start to try and change the conversation yeah. from Iraq. And people like Chuck yeah. Romana think that, like, politics is all about doing one sure start and one Iraq war because you can never just do good things. You have to be sort of managing heterogeneity, homeostasis, right? You have to be, you have to be managed. You have to do an Iraq war. You have to do a sure start. You have to to roll up policing, but you also have to say the police have to like, you know, play football with all the kids that they're terrorizing. We didn't make it clear at the time, but Saddam Hussein was going to, Block sure start. <laughs> the whole W, the whole WMD thing. That was we admit that was a lie, but that was a it was an honest white lie because what he was actually going to do was yeah, like Saddam Hussein was going to close down. He, sure start start start. Yeah, he sure had mobile training facilities that were for people who were going to go and disrupt all early childhood education and social democracies in Europe. The man had a plan. We had to stop it. All right. I mean, you know. Oh damn! Seems like we should respect Tony Blair and by extension Chuck Romano much more. I yeah. learned something today, guys. People aren't reading to their kids enough. The only solution is to have the police arrest every child and read them 10 books. <laughs> <laughs> Two, ten, 10 books at double speed, one in each ear, like real business leaders. Yeah, and one from each side of the divide. Like, <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird, but then also Mein Kampf. <laughs> the, ter- the Turner Diaries and Playing in the Dark. <laughs> um, so, and the diary of Anne Frank, but also like Jake Paul, my story. I also just look at this this whole thing because the story here is he has a new think tank. But like, yeah. part of me also is is wondering whether or not it's just indicative of how insane the political class in Britain is. That it's like, oh, this new think tank to find that missing center, the center that we've lost, the thing we want to recreate, the and gooey chocolatey center, exactly that, the delicious core outside of all the candy shell, and we <laughs> delicious core. But we ignoring. That's what they should have called it. Now I want to be a centrist. It's the, the gooey candy yeah. center of politics. I'm, I'm yeah. so hungry right now. I'm willing to abandon socialism. No, um, it's, it's, it's 65,000 pounds a year for what amounts to, yeah, like 475 or 500 pounds an hour. Yeah. Like, that's just so bonkers insane. And it's like, 
that is not that that's that's the buried lead in the story. Like Chukamona mm-hmm. looks at this and says, "Well, we we need to reestablish the center because clearly all these other attempts to be centrist aren't working." But like to me, to my eyes, I look at them like. You do realize how much of a fucking prick that makes you look like, right? Yeah. Like you're taking more money to, you know, to in a great big scheme to rehabilitate politics that has failed, and you're also getting paid what five times the median salary in this country to do it. Mm. Like it's fucking, it's just it, for, for for very little work. Yeah, I mean the the the, the salary thing is really the most damning indictment of Chikramuna because he's not even prepared to like work a couple of extra hours a week to make his salary four hundred and twenty pounds an hour. And for yeah. that reason, we know that he doesn't he'll really nev- care. He'll never start an electric car company, for example, because he yeah. just his brain doesn't work that fast. But also, the 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 the, the other thing is right. Like he says, we need modern solutions to modern problems, as though the problems we have are particularly new and not the same problems we've been having for a long time, to which yeah. we know the solution. Or is that the solution we were proposing was the spinning Jenny? <laughs> Look, no, no one, no one's saying that being poor isn't a problem. But now you're you can be and have Instagram. Um, we should thank capitalism. So actually, the libs are owned. <laughs> I, I'm so poor that I can't afford a fast enough internet connection to post a shit post on the Plymouth Herald comment section. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem we have here, just no. in the other place. Um, so he, he goes on, uh, just because others on the extremes may not agree with the politics of people like Justin Trudeau, Jacinda, what's her last name? Ahern? Jacinda Ahern, or uh, Pedro Sanchez in Spain does not mean that these activist politicians and thinkers, a group that includes me, yeah, I I, I didn't catch this, but yeah, Michael, you're absolutely right. This is him positioning himself as a potential. You can't call yourself a thinker, can you? Oh, you fucking cannot. Mm. Yeah, I suppose that's the kind of thing that Centrists put in their Twitter bios. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Thinker, thinker, gin enthusiast, uh, yeah. tea addict. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Fluent in sarcasm. No, no, that's a Virgil referendum. <laughs> and that's so also then, real, though. And then. Uh, know too much about trains. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Gryffindor in the outside, but Hufflepuff at heart. Yeah. Oh, God, I just. I just skeeved myself. Father, father to two kids, occasional d- uh, dog washer. <laughs> like, Although I did just realize. Side watch note, rugby on Sundays. Side note: I did re- uh, a heron in Yorkshire. Uh, I did just realize though that um, if you were to see someone, someone's Twitter bio be so wrong. I'm sorry, it's Jacinda yeah. Ardern. I'm so wrong. Jacinda. Okay, I literally will, I, I remembered her last name based on how it looks and not how it sounded out. I had the wrong letters. Okay. <laughs> oh, but wait, isn't she cool though? Because she's the one where t- well, not exactly her is cool, but like the someone fo- someone phoned up to actually clarify. Wasn't it how to spell her surname? And they phoned up like the office of the prime minister. It was like a journalist writing a piece when she became prime minister, and she ended up getting put through to the prime minister. She's like, "Yep, that's how you spell it." <laughs> and she's like, "Only in fucking New Zealand." <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, but so he says a group that inclu- the, all these uh, activist politicians and thinkers, including me, Chakramana, hire me. I'm the sandwich board guy for the think tank. Have no politics. For ours is a politics that promotes individual human freedom, but understands it relies on a strong pro- pre- collective provision and an active state to be realized. Even though all of them have actively worked against the creation of active states. We believe in reciprocity, which requires an inclusive economy that rewards those who work hard and play by the rules while caring for those who can't support themselves. You know that saying, work hard, play by the rules. (laughs) 
Right. It's it's, it's basically again. He's he's showing the ass of his thought here, which is that he th- he believes in pure capitalism because that's a capitalist thought to have, <laughs> which is that there is no natural rate of unemployment. There is a perfect market that can be found. There is a problem that can be solved, and that we eventually can reach like social provision of services level zero once we correct all the market failures. I mean, also the whole point is if if he's saying what separates these guys from. The third way is that they recognize politics have changed since the financial crisis. You can't just then rip your lines from people from the third way. I mean, this could have been said any time in the second half of the 20th century. Farrar's politics promotes individual freedom, but understands it relies on strong collective provision and an active state to be realized. That's just... Tony Blair could have said that. Yeah. You need you need to change the lines if you want to convince us that you have a different yeah, politics. Yeah, houses of politics that believes in going to parties and doing cocaine with models <laughs> I mean, and strippers. I mean, it's, it's largely like an aesthetic movie. That was a really good JFK. I didn't think You are getting I better. Thought, I was going to say, I, your, your, your I, Massachusetts I, Irish I thought, is getting I, better. I thought that sounded like a, like a, like a Bugsy Malone... Like well, you, you haven't heard his, You haven't heard his. <laughs> You'll never shoot me alive, Oswald. Yeah. <laughs> his, his you have to sound like a duck that's gained sentience. <laughs> um... What I was going to say was that, like, it's kind of just like it's another like centrist aesthetic movement, isn't it? Right? It's one that kind of says that you should like our appeal is the fact that we look like we're normal, you know, we look like we um, we have ideas, we you know we deserve authority based on like how we look. Um, and Chukamuna really is that that guy, um, you know, the one with like you know the you know the t- uh, the expensive suit and the perfectly collared shirt and all that stuff, right? It's not like Jeremy Corbyn who wears an oversized, but still very good tracksuit. Um, <laughs> those, those are my favorite. I think I might've mentioned this before. My favorite ones are like, Jeremy Corbyn, as he's like going into his house, Jeremy Corbyn is like, are you saying you're a socialist when you live in a 700,000 pound house? And he's like going into his house, which looks horrible. <laughs> yeah. And he's also like dressed as though he's just been playing the fruit machines at Weatherspoons <laughs> all morning. <laughs> They're like, this man, a millionaire. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's like honestly when I was looking at all the all all the stuff about this party, like that was the only thing I was thinking. There wasn't really anything that was worth critiquing. Right? They have no policies. I've it's, actually looked on their website. They have nothing. It felt very glib. And like there was also that that news that like one of the guys who is like gonna be one of the head honchos of the organization has like massive anger problems. Um <laughs> Like, that's why they so, had to put him in charge. So, so, there was a, so, so, so there was this anecdote where he basically like broke he broke a flower pot on a BBC set and then got really mad at the cleaner who was trying to clean it up. No, um, holy shit! He's fucking Silvio playing poker in The Sopranos when yeah. um uh, what's his guy uh, Scott Gismonti is trying to sweep up the cheese from underneath his feet and he gets really pissed off. He's like, "You want the fucking cheese? You want to sweep the cheese? I'll start a new fucking centrist think tank if you sweep the fucking cheese." I mean, I just Huge. love the idea that you're constantly trying to dress up unpopular politics over and over again. Like, why is it not working? We've reinvented it for the 21st yeah. century. And it's like, and it keeps pulling in like the teens. Well, it's, and it's it's the, just, they never have new ideas. They have capital N, capital I new ideas, which are the same new ideas that they've mm-hmm. had since the 90s. They've had one new idea and they just keep retreading it. Privatized yeah. welfare. But it's uh, I, I give, he has given an example of a centrist progressive achievement. Uh, Pedro Sanchez of Spain released an eight-point declaration with fellow progressive Emmanuel Macron of France mm. in July, in which the two pledged <laughs> the to work together lover, on, on immigration, seeking, quote, a migratory model based on solidarity and respect for human rights on Eurozone integration reform of the EU. This is the same EU that is like facilitating the creation of open-air slave markets in Libya. 
If anything tells us that this is purely, I think as Hussein correctly points out, purely an aesthetic rebrand of the same shit that's been happening constantly, this is it. Is they're calling the EU migratory policy humane and um, human rights based? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, you. You made a point here, Riley, in your in your previous comment that like what this basically seems to indicate is that they're looking for a kind of centrist solution that ignores that centrist solutions in every single one of these countries has bred some kind of discontent that's manifested in like an extreme right politics. Um, certainly talking about Canada or talking about Italy or talking about Spain, like it's just um, looking at how the, the, the situation in or looking at the situation in Italy, for example, like on one hand, it's like, yes, they're part of the EU, but like they're also basically pulling people out of immigrants out of communities where they've been for decades and forcing them into like concentration camps. And I it's don't like, know. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I mean, there's no history of far right politics in Spain or Italy. So I think we're, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. <laughs> right. And so it's, I think what we can we can we can comfort ourselves with the idea that this think tank is going nowhere. Uh, yes. That essentially its main output is going to be I don't know an extension for Chakramana's house, um, and much like tortoise. I mean, we're talking about these things not because we think the things are going to be progressive, but because they're symptoms of broader... you have to put up a podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. No one cares. <laughs> there's, well, okay. I chose them because I think they're symptoms of broader liberal psychoses, which is that, which is a complete sort of fuck up of causality where they think, okay, the problem is, is we haven't articulated our same idea in the right way. So we're going to keep recrossing the I's and redotting the T's. Uh, you know, meanwhile, you know, the plane is crashing and there's one parachute left. I mean, also, if you've got loads of money, you can make loads of organizations really easily. Oh, that's true. I it, mean, that's, it, why you get, that's why you get new ones all the time. Yeah, if you've just got millions true. of quid, then why not make a progressive think tank and give Chuck a 65 grand? Well, it's like if you want to... I guess bored on a Tuesday. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I could, yeah. could, could turn on Babe Station or <laughs> new progressive think <laughs> tank. No, I would, I, I would absolutely... Babe Station is a progressive think tank. Actually, that would be amazing if someone made a Babe Station think tank. Like, I, it's like, I think it would probably do a lot better than the Progressive Think Tank. Okay. Okay. I mean, they're all hot chicks who are scantily clad and they only have Nokia 3310s. <laughs> I will say, though, in your... Defeat- you know, that's how you crowdsource ideas, is you call in and you t- you talk to your plan about like like a flat tax um, um, plan to like a, a girl who's like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Well, I was just thinking, though, <laughs> that like... In your defense, Riley, this I have seen this covered in various outlets, you know, on the news here or on 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 social media, and it's like I think the fact that this is in the news in the first place, as opposed, it's just more a symptom of the insularity of the class that this represents. Oh yeah, no, it's just. Nobody like like Milo said. Nobody cares if there's anything they care about. They're like, oh, what a fucking prick! Guys getting an additional insane salary to do nothing, as opposed to this grand statement about how we're going to find the middle road. Like, it's just, it's nonsense. It's the journalism equivalent of Wyatt Coke shirts. It's like, <laughs> it's like a vanity project that like no one is going to buy apart from these people's friends. And, and like, and it's... I would 100, I would still buy a Wyatt Coke shirt. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that in the end we'll end up spending our Patreon money on a subscription to Tordis in order to read whatever insane <laughs> wank they're churning no, out. No, because we're going to do a live podcast when we you are cash in our 250 pound newsroom visit privileges. It's going to be, oh yes, oh. absolutely. This is Fund this, Trash Future so going to the think-in. So this is what I was thinking. Like, you've got to pay to go into their newsroom, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. as someone who's worked in several prop, like newsrooms, the most fucking boring places 
Like they're they're super super boring places, right? But basically, <laughs> like, I, I want to see how the news gets made. Yeah, and this, like okay, if you want to like see how the news gets made, like so here's what happens, right? You go through a very long process getting like a badge where they'll spell your name wrong. Then you mm. go up some more escalators. I mean, you'll just see like a bunch of very tired people when you're typing. a junior honcho. <laughs> when you're a junior honcho, uh, and you type, you know, and you'll see a bunch of these people just like typing, right? That's all they'll do. And mm-hmm. if you look at their screens, you kind of think like, as someone, if, if you've never been to a newsroom, you might think they're like, oh, like the news, you, you'll think that the news is like the fucking newsroom, right? The Aaron Sorkin. Well, they think it actually has a theme song. Yeah. Right. So you go, you go up the escalators to like this weird music and you have like a bunch of like kids running over saying something's happening on Twitter. Something's happening on Instagram. Like someone insinuated Johnny Mercer's wife as a prostitute. <laughs> well, this, no, this is the thing. Incidents like that are the only time you'll get like loads of editors around a screen when something's so fucking stupid happens that like people need to see it but doctor i am johnny mercer's wife (laughs) (laughs) but like a normal day in a newsroom is basically just like a boring office job where you don't want to talk to anyone let alone someone someone who's like paid for the privilege of coming into like your place of work and the thing is like at trash future we don't even charge people to come in Mainly because mm. the windows are so thin, that it wouldn't matter anyway. We, we overhear um, like weird startup bros having conversations about so, what they're going to disrupt. It is really funny yeah. that our our office is in a is in a startup incubator because that's where we found space. We're in the lion's den. But if you come to the if you come to the uh, Trash Future Studio, you get to sit on the new casting couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looked upon oh, by you. Just don't ask why the cameras. Just don't that's, ask why the cameras. That should now. be actually part of the debate meeting your patreon is you get to do a trash future office visit <laughs> uh, riley i mean I, i'm all about i'm all about new revenue streams but you do realize that assuming that really annoying people with money won't take you up on this is a dangerous proposition if someone wants to annoy me by paying us i'm not that worried yeah it's reverse findom <laughs> I'm looking to get reverse fandomed, okay? Sign and up us. To, sign up to the foot fetish tier of Trash Future. <laughs> we send you, we, we send you picture, we send you a rotating picture of feet. Could it be ours? <laughs> Who knows? All right, we're we're massively over time here, lads. Um, so I'm gonna say, Michael, thank you very much for coming in. Pleasure. Where can people uh, find you if they want to hear more? Uh, on Navarra Media or on my Twitter at Michael J S Walker. Indeed. We have Trash Future live shows coming up. There is, well, actually, it's one. Uh, there's, it's on the 30th of October. It's at the Seckford on Seckford Street. In, it's near Farringdon. Uh, come to that. It starts at 8 p.m. You can buy tickets online. That There will be a link in the description. There's also a Facebook event, which you can find if you find are there, it. There are still tickets available, right? Yeah, there are still tickets available. Uh, there's also, like, we have a Facebook page like that if you want, because we put the Facebook events on Facebook because you can't oh, make yeah. events on Twitter. We don't really do Facebook because we don't want to associate with Nick Clegg. Mm. Yeah. Also, if you want to make me a happy man, I'm running a cool stand-up comedy night at the Seckford on the also there, the same place on the 24th of October uh, with friends of the show Olga Koch and Alex Keeley doing sets. It's going to be a great night of comedy. That is free to get in. So, oh, fantastic! If you're a cheapskate and you'd rather not pay the five pounds to come to the live show, come to this, which is free. Uh, yeah, good, cool. And um, also, as ever, we have a Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe to it on the five ten. Uh, or $15 tiers for normal, or you can do the $25 debate me tier <laughs> where you can have a rational conversation with Hussein. On the casting couch. On the casting mm. couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Absolutely. <laughs> Watched over by Elon Musk in black tie. Uh, so why not come up? Why not commodify your descent with a T-shirt from Lil Comrade? You can get the facts printed on it with a capital T, capital F. If you're like me or a postmodernist or if you're a scientific socialist like Michael, you can just have a list of all the facts, you know, printed on it. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure he would be happy to do that. Get um, a really big t-shirt. <laughs> and finally, uh, as ever, uh, you thank don't you. be overwhelmed by facts. No, yeah. Yeah. Five a day. Maybe about five. Yeah. Yeah, it's, five, it's, it's, five on each side. Oh my God, they're working on a, it's one of your five a day basis. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we snuck that last bit in there. Mm. And yeah, you can always also find our theme song by Ginseng. It's on Spotify. It's called Here We Go. It's all one word. It's extraordinarily mm. good. You should listen to it. Let's go and live our lives uh, once again as we ever do until the gypsy curse is lifted. Thank you.